Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. I'm the Christmas search engine, and I can help you find anything related to... DIY Christmas decorations. Oh, okay. Um, Let's jump right in. Here we go. (laughs) What date Christmas this year? Uh, December 25th. What date Christmas next year? December 25th. Song that goes... I think I know what you're looking for. How cook ham. Okay. How cook ham fast? Uh... Oh. Ham flamethrower recipe. Wait, what? Christmas present mom. Nice. Cheap. Nice. What day Christmas 2035? Are you serious? Is Santa Claus real? Uh, you should maybe ask your parents about that. Gift wrap bowling ball. Please be careful. Custom dog Christmas. Sorry, what? Christmas dog custom cute. Oh, you mean costume? Christmas dog costume cute! Gift wrap accordion. Uh, that's gonna be tricky. Can I drink expired eggnog? No. What happens if drink expired eggnog? Why'd you even ask me in the first place? Dealing with relatives. Okay. Dealing with nosy relatives. Oh, uh, well... Dealing with my nosy, overbearing relatives who won't stay out of my business. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's pretty much all the same stuff. <laughs> Gift wrap a saddle. Who are you buying this stuff for? Santa Claus riding a unicorn. Santa Claus riding a unicorn socks. Is that a thing? Search it up. Oh, wow. Here they are. Take my money. Norwegian tree skirts. How many lights, one outlet? Elf pajamas. Dog singing Christmas carols. (sighs) Oh, hello. What is Christmas really about? (laughs) I've got just the thing. angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So, Jesus? Jesus. May I? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Huh. How fix burnt ham? Okay. Uh, you know what? Forget it. Pizza delivery Christmas Eve. <laughs> no problem. Uh, when you're at home, just check your search engine and see if you can relate. We, uh, we're in a busy season, aren't we? And our series uh, this last couple of weeks has been focused on uh, the idea that for some people, they have felt that um, Christmas is on life support, that this year they're struggling to find hope or peace or joy And the concern that we've actually had is um, regarding the question, what do we do about that? And 
As an American culture, what do we do about that? But in particular, as believers, what do we do about that? How do we get beyond all the noise and the distraction, the irritations that we have with everything that's going on in the world, and actually get back to focusing on Christ? And we've been finding the answer to that in just one little shout-out that happens in the book of Luke. The angels, when Jesus appeared, shouted out a phrase that I think um, takes, in our minds, Christmas off life support and puts it back front and center to remind us that Christmas has never been in trouble if we're focused on Jesus. But the Christmas that we're afraid of losing may have been focused on us. Amen? We may be losing some of the things that we loved, but it's not why Jesus came and lived, what he died for. And so we're going to be looking at, once again, in our series, The Vital Signs of Christmas, another section of this passage, and we're going to be considering the idea this morning that peace is not found in an external reality, but peace is only found in a person. Luke chapter 2, starting with uh, verse 8, we're going to be reading down through verse 15. Let's stand and read this section once again together. We're saving, as I said, the uh, first part of that for the final pieces of the series right up until the 23rd at the Elsinore. Um, but this section right here helps us just really get down to the relevant verse that we've been focusing on. Starting in verse 8, it says, in the same region, and that is in the region where Jesus was born, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Do you believe that actually happened? It did. You may be seated. This morning, I want us to uh, consider a phrase. We're just going to kind of construct this uh, theology coming out of this passage. But in particular, we've been looking at verse 14. Uh, The implication here is that the angels, at the moment that the announcement was made, they didn't wait for anybody else to get it. They didn't respond to the shepherds rejoicing. They didn't respond to anything else that was going on on earth other than the birth of a baby. And as the announcement is made, as soon as the announcement to these shepherds is made, it says, and suddenly, these angels begin praising God and shouting out. They're cheering. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. An amazing series of words. We're just going to look at one piece of that phrase there, peace on earth. I want us to consider this phrase this morning, and we'll unpack it, and that is peace without and peace within can only come through peace 
with him. Peace without and peace within can only come through peace with him. That's what we're going to consider. First thought here, peace without. It says here, peace on earth, and I want you to to ask yourself the question, has there ever been a time where the earth has been completely at peace? There are some people who put together uh, their understanding of the amount of years that the world has been without a declaration, a writ of war uh, that they were aware of. And uh, they did not take into account uh, tribal situations. They did not take into account most of uh, Asia, Malaysia, uh, and any of those areas. They just were considering, actually, the known world at the time, Europe, Uh, and the United States, and they said in the last 6,000 years of human history, they could only discover 33 years where they believed that there wasn't some kind of declared war among known nations. But in those 33 years, do you really think there was actually peace? Fighting, disputes, problems with neighbors. Do you think that problems with neighbors have ever not been a thing? I mean, before you were able to sign those things when you moved into the neighborhood to say you'd keep your, you know, your grass a certain height and you'd pay for collective cable. We don't have peace. Anywhere in the world, there's never been peace. No time. And yet they shout out peace on earth. Great leaders in the past have tried to bring peace. They've tried to establish peace. They've tried to force peace. Uh, There's a famous leader, one of the first kings of Babylon, where people believed that he had instituted a collective peace for his people. They called it Hammurabi's Code. It was actually a code that was meant not just for the elite, but for all of the people. Everyone was to be treated under the exact same laws. It was considered an advancement on what was going on in the world. But even with Hammurabi's Code, they could not keep peace, and the kingdom was not settled. In the second dynasty in Egypt, uh, the pharaoh actually named his son, in order for him to be able to take over in that dynasty, he named him Hotep, which actually means two great powers have come to peace. The idea that they had settled uh, both the upper and the lower Nile, and that they were now leading in a certain uh, type of peace. They, They actually named their child peace. Caesar Augustus, when he was born, there was a birth proclamation Um, that was written out. Actually, 9 BC, they have uh, this uh, written letter, and it was actually written under the idea that this was a gospel, the good news of Caesar Augustus. It was written out to all of the provinces during uh, the time just before Christ was born, within six years of his birth. This is going out throughout all of the nation of Rome. It says, wherever providence that orders all of our lives has in her display of concern and generosity on our behalf adorned our lives with the highest good, who is Augustus, whom she, providence, has filled with virtue for the benefit of humanity, and her, in her beneficence has granted us and those who will come after us a savior. He's made war to cease. He will make everything peaceful in its order. Whereas Caesar, when he was manifest, transcended all the expectations of those who anticipated the good news, literally their gospel, not only by surpassing the benefits conferred by his predecessors, in other words, he's led better than anyone before him, but by leaving no expectation of surpassing him by any of those who come after him. He's been the best leader we've ever had, and he's the best one that's ever going to come. 
It says, Proconsul Paul Fabius Maximus has discovered a way to honor Augustus that was hitherto unknown among the Greeks, namely, to reckon time from the date of his nativity. This is all written down uh, in Latin. Therefore, with the blessing of the good fortune and for their own welfare, the Greeks in Asia decreed that the new year should begin in all cities on September 23rd. They should reckon time from the date of his birth. It's interesting to note, though, that instead of us reckoning time today as A.D. 2031, which would have been according to the birth of their Savior, Augustus, we actually reckon it according to Jesus Christ, A.D. 2021, the actual king of peace, the actual one who there was no greater before and no greater after, is the one by who we set our clocks. Jesus came. But there were other leaders who tried to proclaim peace. The peace that Rome established actually would fall apart. And even though we still see its fingerprints in our culture today, there is no greater impact than Jesus in all of the world. Great leaders have tried to bring peace. Uh, Weapons manufacturers have tried to bring peace on the outside. Have you ever heard about the company called Colt, right? When you're settling the West... They're having gunfights in every single Western that you've ever watched with a gun called the Colt Peacemaker. Well, it'll settle somebody till they're quiet, but it's not a peaceful way to go. Cosmetologists have tried to bring peace on the outside. Do you know that that root word there, cosmos, actually comes from a word that means to bring order out of chaos? Okay? <laughs> I'm so sorry, ladies. Cosmetics comes from that word. Have you looked at our world, a world that is so focused on external beauty, and have you talked to somebody whom you consider beautiful? Ask them, are you at peace? Do you feel like everything's perfect? They will tell you all of the areas that they yet see that have undone their internal heart. I don't like when people see this. I don't like this side of me. I don't like this uh, certain look. I don't like where things are headed. You can't get peace from externals. Isaiah 2.4, God actually has a plan for peace. He actually has uh, a moment that is going to happen in the future that is going to be set forth by Christ. There's a moment, it says, in history where God's going to settle all of the problems that we have here on earth. And he's going to set up his righteous rule and reign from Jerusalem. And it says, uh, verse 3 there, and many people will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he, God, will teach us his way so that we may walk in his paths, for instruction will go out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Verse 4, he will settle disputes among the nations, he'll provide arbitration for many people, they will beat their swords into plows, ever heard that phrase? And their spears into pruning hooks. In other words, there, there won't be anything left for them to fight with. Nation will not take up the sword against nation, and they will never again train for war. By the way, it, it's been said that if we just canceled what we spend on our defense, 
If the two greatest right now standing armies in the world were to cancel all of the money that they spent just on war and war preparations, not only could we get rid of poverty uh, and debt, but we would be able to answer that for a generation in one year. Can you imagine if the entire world was at peace and you didn't have to worry about locking down your house, but it was just about opening up the provision of God? If everybody was settled and provided for and every neighbor's dispute, every nation's dispute was settled by a perfect king, it's coming. Isaiah chapter 9, once again a prophecy about this coming Messiah. Verse 6, it says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. Who is this one that's going to take on government for the entire world? He'll be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. His dominion will be vast, his prosperity will never end, and he will reign on the throne of David over his kingdom. God actually has a plan for that, external peace, but we are not yet there. External peace cannot be provided by mankind, and it's not found in our world. The problem that we have is that a perfect setting does not bring peace to an individual. Let me say it this way. You can have a perfect Christmas. Everybody can be in their proper place. The decorations can be awesome. The food can be there. All the people can be present. And do you know that you can still sit in the corner of that house agitated, unsettled, overwhelmed, even if the setting is there, even if you have no debts and the perfect job and the world around you is serene, you can still be undone on the inside because peace doesn't come from externals. Amen? But the second thing I want us to see, peace without and peace within can only come through peace with him. There's a peace within also that is prophesied, but when the angels are rejoicing, they're not saying that there was peace on earth, that the setting was perfect, and they're not saying now that mankind at that moment has been perfectly set at peace on the inside. Man has tried to achieve peace internally. Since the beginning of the writing of Scripture, it's been recorded about man's journey towards trying to find peace. We've tried to achieve peace through separation. We've had uh, orders like uh, monastic orders. I don't know if you've ever heard of such a thing. It was a group of monks that had sworn themselves to silence. Uh, That was what they took, not only a vow of poverty, but a vow of silence. And they could only speak one time a year at Christmas. And one, one year, one of the brothers, just overwhelmed at the beauty of the food that was on the table, used his one sentence that time of year to say, you know, I always have loved these mashed potatoes. <laughs> Following year, the brother who had been sitting to, next to him on the year before used his one sentence that year to say, you know, I've always found these mashed potatoes lumpy. Year three, the head of their order spoke his one sentence for the year and said, this constant bickering is killing me. Man has tried to remove himself in order to get some kind of peace, but even in separation from the culture, have you found this, by the way? Even in separation from the culture, it does not mean that your home is at peace. Anybody need some quarantine? 
it does not mean that you're more peaceful. In fact, it may mean that you are more stirred up, more overwhelmed. Just like scripture talks about iron sharpening iron that comes through fellowship and connection. If we don't have each other, sometimes we get stirred up. Just separation does not give you peace. But man's also tried to achieve peace through concentration. There's been a rise recently in meditation. Right now, if the trend continues, the meditation industry by 2027 will become a $9 billion a year industry. $9 billion. In the United States, 15% of adults say that they meditate on a weekly basis. They believe it's eliminating pain and eliminating concern. Uh, They have learned to get rid of the sounds of shouting children, they said, in the other room through meditation. That's what signs most people up. It might be interesting for you to note that actually most Buddhists throughout history were not that much of a fan of meditation. It's not just a Buddhist thing. It comes from all other kinds of places. But this is what they have found, that across the board... Those who just invest in meditation that's not a focused meditation on Scripture, just trying to meditate on one hand clapping or picturing some kind of mantra, as soon as the moment is over, the peace ends. They're right back in the world that was discouraging them. Man's tried through separation, through concentration. Man's also tried through self-medication. I want to be super careful here. And the reason that I have to say this in an audience of believers, of folks that are chasing after Christ, is that statistically, if any of this is true, then sitting in our auditorium are many folks who are getting overwhelmed by this season, and you too have been touched by addiction during this last couple of years. It may be an addiction that snuck up on you. When you hear some of these statistics, I really want you to hear me as a pastor and as somebody who is concerned for your heart. I don't want to poke you. I don't want to harm you. But I do want to point you to something that is actual peace, and it's not found in a bottle, whether it's pills or alcohol. The amount of addiction is it's destroying not only our nation, but our ability to see truth. 22 million people suffering from active substance abuse, whether it is drugs or alcohol. 23 million people are in recovery right now. 45 million people just in the United States directly impacted by addiction. One in three households suffer from, are exposed to, are impacted by addiction. That means in this room, a minimum of 33% of you are dealing with some kind of impact in your home this Christmas as a result of somebody else's addiction. And I'm going to say, in a close, discipleship-driven community, the numbers are actually higher. Your heart aches for that neighbor whose life is broken and you want to help. 21 million Americans have at least one addiction. Less than 10% seek help or get help. Alcohol and drug addiction has cost the U.S. economy on a yearly basis $600 billion. Get that number, $600 billion. Can I tell you something? 
the peace that you are searching for is found for a moment, but it does not last, and it leaves you depressed, overwhelmed, and fearful of connecting with others. You don't want to tell others of your struggle. Jesus makes you desperate to connect with others. It leaves you more of who you are and more able to enjoy the life around. Man has tried to achieve peace on the outside. Once again, God has a plan for this. Isaiah 26.3, and the reason I bring this up is this is the passage that many of our pastors have quoted to each other when we were going through hard times. When Pastor Ron, who many of you might remember, uh, he was here for a long time, was going into the hospital, and when you have a heart attack, there's an agitation that comes just from the chemicals flooding through your body. He was overwhelmed. He was disconcerted, actually, as he was going through that moment, and his good friend, Phil Howard, called him up, and he said, I want you, brother, to remember this verse as you go into surgery. It says in Isaiah 26.3, you will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it's trusting in you. Phil's translation, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. God actually has a plan for peace, and that internal peace only comes from him. But I want you to understand that the arrival of Jesus did not announce peace in the world, that all war had stopped, that the conditions were perfect. It did not announce that every single person in the world was suddenly settled. They were not. God has a plan to answer your problem with peace. It's found in Jesus. The perfect disposition cannot bring you peace. Let me just add this. You may be at peace and your neighbor without peace can be impacted by you, but ultimately the chaos in the world crashes in on the one who is settled and at peace. They're attracted to that light and then eventually they become angry with it if they don't have internal peace themselves. Peace without and peace within has to descend like a blanket When Jesus arrives on the earth and sets everything right in that millennial kingdom, there's something that's going to happen that is supernatural, and that is he's going to fill every heart and he's going to settle every economic and uh, government reality in one moment. Peace is going to descend like a blanket, and it's going to be centered in one person. It's Jesus. Every heart will be filled. Every government will be quiet. Every war will be stilled. Everything in the world will be put right in one moment. And it only happens through Jesus. And what the angels were announcing in that moment is that peace, the bringer of peace, is here. And it caused them to shout to the heavens. Peace only comes through a person. Jesus. It only comes through a person. True peace doesn't start with a framework. You don't say, well, we're going to build peace by doing this and then doing this and then doing this and doing this. We as mankind can begin to establish peace and work people towards a logical framework of peace. But true peace doesn't start with a framework or an experience. It's not that you just all of a sudden have a great hallelujah chorus and everybody is settled at peace because they still go out and make decisions the way that they made decisions before they sang the song together. It doesn't start with a framework or an experience. The framework and experience have to flow from a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're right with Jesus, you live out those things and you experience internally a peace that changes the world around you. But it starts with Christ, not 
with something else you put on. There's a, a pastor that from time to time, if I'm feeling just a little uh, run down spiritually, that I'll listen to. John Phillips, he's a Welsh pastor. He had come to Christ uh, as a young man in England. Uh, he was allowed to get, he got conscripted into the army and was uh, forced to be a part of um, the transition that happened in Israel. Felt a call to ministry after 1948. He was there as one of the bookkeepers, making sure that the transition from the British government to Israel as a state would happen. And he became convinced that all of that could have only happened. Watching all of the details behind the scenes, he said, the only reason that they arrived and stayed is it had the hand of God on it. There's no way this should have worked. That's what he said. Gave his life to Christ, gave his life to ministry. Uh, He was a bivocational pastor at the very beginning. He was working at a bank. And one day he was sitting in the driveway of the bank and a Brinks truck pulls up. And his friend says, do you know how much money they're unloading into our bank today? And he says, no. And he says, watch them. And they watch his bag after bag after bag is getting unloaded into the bank. And he said, it's $3 million. He said, does that amaze you? $3 million into the bank. And he says, well, that's not actually all that amazing. He says, it's missing two words to be amazing. He said, if you would have said $3 million is being unloaded into that bank for you, I would have been blessed. And those are the key words, aren't they? Notice what it says in verse 11. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Angelic hosts everywhere. It'd be shocking. If they showed up in this room today, you'd be shocked. Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior is born for you. If you're sitting here today, this is what I want you to understand. This isn't just a message about some peace that's going to come someday or some peace that's potential to happen for other people. This isn't a Jesus take the wheel message. This is a message that says a Savior was actually born. The only one who can bring peace was born, not for a storyline, not for the Bible just to be written as a neat historical artifact, but he was literally born for you. He was born for you. If you do not have peace in this season, you can know the one who brings peace. You can have peace if you give your life to Christ. Scriptures declare that he didn't stay a baby, that he lived a perfect life. He died, was buried, and rose again on the third day for you. And all you have to do is put your faith in him. Say, Lord, I I give you my life. He'll teach you the rest of what you're supposed to be about. He did this for you. We're going to take a a moment this morning to actually celebrate that death, burial, burial, and resurrection of the one who came at Christmas as a baby. Uh, If you did not get one of these little cups, uh, just raise your hand right now and the men will make sure that they get one of these to you. Just keep your hand raised up high. They'll come and they're going to look around for uh, those hands if you didn't get one. But this is what I want you to think about. Jesus Christ came for you. Now, in the scripture, it tells us that we're supposed to do this on a regular basis, that we're supposed to take uh, these elements, uh, first the bread and then the cup, 
And I just want you to familiarize yourself with this. It has uh, two sides to this. Uh, the bread on one side uh, is the one that we will start with. But before we participate in this, it says that we are to examine our own hearts. Because the one that the angels are proclaiming, the one that caused a hallelujah chorus to go up in heaven, the one that all of them were shouting about, Jesus Christ, is meant for you. But the ones who are supposed to participate in these elements are just believers. If you've given your life to Christ, this is for you. If you're here just visiting today, you've just been curious, I'd love for you to just uh, watch as believers participate in these elements. But believer, this is what it says, that we are only to take these elements having reflected first in our own hearts. Have we been living a life that is focused on Jesus? Is there anything in your life today that is coming between you and the Savior? Is there an active sin that we've described or has not been brought up but you know is in your life that is getting in the way of your prayer life, your relationships, that's getting in between you and the Lord? Confess it. Bring that to the Lord. Make a commitment to him right now before you take these elements that you're going to get right with those people who you've hurt. Consider your own life. In order to help us meditate on those things and just to think about Christ instead of ourselves, we have a video that will help us prepare for the Lord's table. As you watch it, also take time to confess anything that's between you and the Lord. What name could contain such a glory? In the cool breezes of Eden, brought from the infant earth, one arose, the voice of his creator speaking his identity to life. Adam, man. And as heaven waited short with bread, the creator spoke yet another, Eve mother of all the living. So it was with Abraham, named in the promise as the father of nations, Peter, the rock upon which the church would stand. The name called to life the destiny within. The name set the stage for all that was to come. And unto us a child was born. And what name could contain his glory? For he was mighty God, as the universe gasped into being flinging rays of light from his presence to pierce the void, to shatter the shadows to a tapestry of color. And he is mighty God, shattering our darkness, revealing our light, our truth in him. He was everlasting father when orphaned Israel needed a father's touch. When we, with grief-stricken cheeks, need the embrace of one who never leaves, when we have lost our way to dark horizons, it is our everlasting Father who lights the way home. He is Prince of Peace. When, like Elijah, we need the still small voice in the turmoil's midst. When, like David, we need the melodies of his presence to soothe our troubled minds. He is sanctuary within our trials, shepherd guiding us to still waters. And yes, he is wonderful counselor. God who gives counsel in the chaos, crafting disorder into calm and failure into beauty. 
He is a voice for the voiceless. He is dignity for the stateless soul. It is he who raised up a lowly shepherd to become a king. He who took the fishermen of Galilee and made them leaders of history. It is the counselor who redeems our lost years, breaking chains that have kept dreams imprisoned and joy confined. The name reaches across eternity, exclaimed by the splendors of galaxies, sung by the passions of angels, roared in heaven's fervor, exalted in creation's unfettered rejoicing. What name could contain him? What title? What soul? Renown? For this is our wonderful counselor. This is our mighty God. This is our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. What name could contain Emmanuel, God with us, Yahweh, the Great I Am. What name could contain the Word of Life, the Light of the World, the King of Kings, the Lord of All. We bow to the name that holds every other in its matchless worth. What name could contain such a glory? What name but Jesus? We cry, Jesus. We cry, holy is the name. Let's pray and we'll take these elements. Father, We're impacted by those thoughts that were just uh, put on display on the screen. And we confess, uh, we do believe that peace without and peace within can only come through peace with Him. So we proclaim Christ. And in these moments, Father, we are taking these elements. I pray that you would help us with clean hearts to know we don't have to work out our forgiveness. We are forgiven if we only come to you. Father, every sin erased. That's the beauty that these elements remind us of. What you accomplished on the cross is a final accomplishment. All of sin dealt with in a moment. But we also are proclaiming a risen Savior. Father, help us in this season to keep our eyes focused on Christ and to rejoice over what we are truly supposed to be about. As we take these elements, I pray that you would help us to have our eyes once again in this season focused on you and fill us with a sense of peace that we shouldn't have if it's the world that provides it. Give us the peace that only comes from you. As we take these elements, I pray that you would remind us of these truths. In Jesus' name, amen. The scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and uh, we start with opening the bread. The scripture says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that on the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you flip that over and open the cup side, the scripture continues. 
It says in the same way also, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The scripture concludes, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's pray once again. Father, we are thankful for this morning, and I do pray right now as we worship that we would be reminded of what caused the angels to rejoice. Father, help us not just to celebrate today and feel peace today, to get reacquainted with uh, the reason for the season today, but help us to celebrate a risen Savior, a fact of history, but also a fact that changed our lives. Help us to do it today in such a way that others are invited in, that they hunger to know what is the reason for the hope that's inside of us. And Father, help us to live every day in anticipation of our eternal residence with you. Someday, Christ is coming again, and those things that have been prophesied will happen. They will be, everything will be set right. But eternal life doesn't start tomorrow. Father, help us to live today with the peace that only comes from Jesus. Help us to experience it. Help us, Father, to encourage that flame in others. We thank you for the opportunity we have today to reflect on these things, and we ask you to help us to live them out. In Jesus' name, amen.